0: Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm an expert in performance and mindset, supporting business owners to create exceptional results in life and business. And I achieve this through coaching, training, speaking, and my online programs. I started this podcast to discover how Other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success, and to identify the common strategies and techniques, as well as the mindset they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to accomplish your goals. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any of these brilliant episodes. Head over to jeffnicholson.co.uk to register for my Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts newsletter, as well as all you need to know on how to connect with me on social media or join the Facebook group. Now, on with the show. This episode is brought to you by SalesFlare, the super easy to use CRM for small businesses selling to B2B. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So before we dive into our great guest this week, I just want to remind you that if you are um, interested in my new show that I'm launching very soon, Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts, then all you need to do is jump over to my website, go to gncoaching.com where you can sign up to the newsletter and we'll make sure that you get to know all the latest goss, the news, what's coming up, and strategies, tactics, and all sorts of cool things that are gonna help you create exceptional results in your life and business. This is also gonna be the last episode for the season. We're gonna take a couple of weeks break, get some more great guests lined up, recorded, edited and all ready for you. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's already looking really, really cool. Um, but today we've got a great guest, Ben Worthen. Now Ben is the CEO of Message Lab, an award-winning agency that combines journalism, data and design to create content that resonates with any audience. Having studied more than 1 million people engage with online, content. Ben is the go-to expert when it comes to customer engagement and brand storytelling. Welcome to the show, Ben.
1: Hey there, thanks for having me.
0: It is. You are more than welcome, sir. Um, So before we dive in to the full conversation, could you give us a little bit of a
1: backstory of um, how you got into all of this cool stuff? Sure. So, I spent the early part of my career, and probably still most of it at this point, as a newspaper reporter, as a journalist, and I was working at the Wall Street Journal, covering um, you know technology out here in California, and you know one of the things that as a journalist your job is to do and believe me i had very aggressive editors who reminded me about it every single day was you know you have to just fig- you have to you have to see something you have to hear something and you have to act as a translator and the job of the translator is essentially to to run everything you're hearing that you see in the world that you want to cover through the lens of how can i make my audience care how can i hook a reader how can I make this thing that I'm seeing interesting and appealing? And and like I said, you know, especially as a junior cub reporter, it manifests itself through an editor standing over your shoulder, maybe not hitting you, but it feels like it saying like, yeah, but why does anybody care? Why does anybody care? Why does anybody care? Um, and, you know, and so I had that formative training. Um, and I had this experience all the time, especially being someone who covered the tech industry of having, uh, CEOs of tech companies, you know, marketing officers of tech companies, you know, walking into our newsroom and trying to pitch me on, you know, the latest and greatest thing that they were doing. And I oftentimes found myself sitting there thinking, boy, nobody cares about this. (laughs) You know, um, you are you are talking about a product that, you know, most people haven't heard of, or most people don't think of what they need and you're not framing up what you're doing in a way that's really interesting to people. So, you know, I, uh, when I left journalism and ended up in the marketing world, I had this strong and overdeveloped sense of what makes a good story. And I had this skepticism, if you will, of, you know, uh, marketing born out of a conference room, the sort of inside out approach of what is it that you're trying to say. As I've gained more experience, and this happened very quickly, uh, in the marketing world, I came to have a lot of respect for the rigor and the thoughtfulness and the craftsmanship that went into shaping that message. And yet I still felt as though for the most part, the people I was interacting with on the marketing side weren't applying that filter that we applied in the newsroom. People weren't asking, well, why does anybody care? You know, what is it that people care about? And and if we step back for a moment, um, you know, most people don't care about products, at least most of the time. If you if you want to buy something, information about a product is really helpful. It's really valuable. But, you know, most people want to buy something 5% of the time, maybe 10% of the time. But most of the time, they're thinking about a problem that they have or they're thinking about something that they want to do. And, and the problem that they have isn't... Um, boy, I need better accounting software. The problem that they have is, oh my books are a mess or it's hard for me to run my business. Um, and, and and the sort of formative insight that has launched this phase of my career has been you know that if all you're doing is talking about your product, you're missing 90% of the opportunities to have a meaningful interaction with somebody, you know, you're missing the opportunities to engage with them around, you know, the topics that they care about, but that you care about also, you know, about the sort of the reasons behind why your product exists and for the ideas that you have in your company, you know, that are leading to the creation of whatever it is that you make or do. And so you know, uh, you know, as, as I've moved into the marketing phase of my career and, and through message lab, the, the, our company, that's what we try to do. We try to work with our clients and we try to take whatever it is that they're, that they want to say, whatever their message is. And we try to help them run it through the filter of how do we make someone care? How is this valuable to uh, the real person that you're trying to reach? How do we think about that, that, that audience as, you know, not as customers, but as people, and you know and and how can we try to you know reach them in all those moments where they're just not open to a product message and begin to form a relationship with them that way
0: it's it's kind of like the um the people who go to networking events and think that as soon as they're having a conversation with them they're trying to sell rather than nurture that conversation it's kind of like the same the same process um what what do you what do you find that because obviously that you've got if you want you've got the marketers and then you've got um people who are running their own business trying to do everything and write the content um do you think it for those types of people they're just or maybe it's the marketers as well they're just trying to get the content out there without any of that strategic thought process that you've just mentioned before?
1: Yeah, I I think we see this a lot uh, when we come in and start trying to work with someone. And it doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, one person trying to do everything or whether it's, you know, a big company that's got thousands and thousands of pieces of content in an archive. Um, You know, there's merely making something and getting it into the world on the Internet is an accomplishment that can be hard. It can be hard if you're an individual to make the time to write something, and publish it. And it can be hard if you're a company to, you know, have the people to write it, oversee it and then do whatever you have to do organizationally in order to hive off, you know, some part of the internet for content. And and if you're doing it, that's great. That's like the first thing that you need to do. And we've certainly worked with a lot of clients who, you know, have made a lot of content and for whatever reason it just never sees the light of day. You know, I'm sure we all have had that experience. Experience before, um, But the thing that you mentioned is what we consider to be that next phase of maturity, which is, are you making stuff with purpose? You know, it, it's not enough to, you know, it, or rather, if you want to have, if, if you want to truly be effective when it comes to using content, um, you know, that second step is, is it part of a holistic strategy? Have you figured out you know what is the kind of content you are making? Have you thought about what is the moment in which someone is going to be interacting with this? And I'll just give you an example. Um, the kind of content that performs well on search is—you know—we've all seen it before. It's—you know—it's the answer to the frequently asked question, right? You know, the by almost by definition, a higher volume. Keyword search term is going to be something that a lot of people have thought to ask about, and and you are um, and so you if you can have a neatly organized, clear and crisp answer to a commonly asked question, you know that's a tactic uh, that's going to help you perform well in search. Now that same story isn't going to inspire somebody, you know that same story isn't what you know people call finger quote thought leadership. Right You know, um, you're not going to be on the vanguard of an idea almost definitionally, if you are writing something that a lot of people are already thinking to ask about, you know it is sort of by definition thought following, not thought leadership, right? So so a brand new idea that's never occurred to anybody before isn't going to perform well on search. Now that doesn't mean it's not important. <laughs> you know it doesn't mean it's not going to help your business to have that idea out in the world and to get credit for it. It just means that, um, you need to realize that if you make that piece of content, it's doing a different job than that FAQ style piece that's designed for search. Um, so, if you ask yourself that question, have you built a editorial calendar? You know, meaning a, a you know a list of pieces that you're going to create not just based on topics that are meaningful to your audience but that are based that are better thinking about what is the kind of piece that we're making how are people going to find it what are the channels through which we're going to promote it so that we reach the people that we're trying to reach you know once you take that step that next thinking that step you know that is sort of that next phase of maturity where you're beginning to you know, have a more strategic approach to content, um, you know, that that's going to, you know, begin the process of of getting more results. And as you might anticipate, I think there are more steps to, you know, being truly mature. But but that's a uh, but but that's a that's a critical one.
0: Yeah. But well, I suppose as well as we've got that danger of um, there's two parts of this. Number one, uh, the the question would be is we've got this danger that there's there's people always trying to find the quick the quick fix, and I've noticed that there's quite a few AI content writing things out there where oh it'll write your blog in two seconds. all you've got to do is put a keyword in there and stuff. And they've got that danger of removing, as you're saying, that the personable bit um and just having an algorithm. Because I'm not 100%, 100%, I mean, I'm dyslexic, they appeal to me, but I kind of like sit there and go, mm, I'm a bit worried that how indescript it would be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, the the ability to use AI data and machine learning and content is, you know, I think it's gonna be very, very powerful. I do not think it's going to manifest itself most valuably in writing the content for us. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a year or so since I've last tested one of these AI things, and it's, it's really incredible how perceptive they are. They can almost invariably figure out what the topic that you're trying to write about is, and they can write sentences that in and of themselves feel structurally coherent. But then if you actually take a step back and think about what is the idea? That one of these AIs is writing about it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And you know, and I think you know, if if you if all you're trying to do is you know fill in the blank, uh, recap of a stock report, you know, where where the writing itself is fairly templated or um, you know, b- write a recap of the ball game, you know, um, it, you know that that's the kind of thing that it can do. But if you're really trying to talk about sharing an idea with the world, you know, it, it, that, that isn't there, you know, and it's not frankly close to there. Although I assume progress will happen faster than anybody expects. Um, you know, I, I and, and I would say that, you know, in the world in which we operate, you know, like, you know, we're trying to, we're on a mission to get companies to stop talking about their product and to stop focusing on their sale. You know, our goal is to. You know, we we use this metaphor of an idea store. You know, everybody has a sense of what their product store is. Um, you know, it's on the shelf. It's the stuff that you sell. Uh, you know about the kind of experience that you're creating, whether it's, you know, people calling up prospective customers, or whether it's a luxury experience where you walk in and there's a red carpet. Um, but but if there was an idea store next door, uh, and if the and if the shelves were stocked with the things that you care about not the things that you make, or the things that your audience wants to know about, or that would be valuable to your audience, but not your products. What would be on the shelves? And what would the experience in that store be like? And we find that that's a helpful metaphor, because what we try to do is we're trying to help you build that idea store. And then what we're trying to do is make people repeat customers of your idea store, Um, make them repeat customers of your ideas. And then if that's the case, they have to get value. Out of that first idea, they're also not coming back, you know. Um, and it's the same thing with a product store. If you buy something and it breaks, you're not going to buy it again. Uh, so, so for us, having that, ha- making sure that somebody has a great experience with that first idea, um, the, you know, is it, critical. And and it, and it's and it's so it so it's really putting the impetus on quality. And I should say, quality isn't necessarily the same as effort. You can do things that are low effort, but that are high quality, Um, you know, or, or you can do things that are high effort and high quality, of course, but, you know, but what you really need to do is make sure that there is that, that you are not just thinking about the value to you, the creator, but the value of the person who's going to consume it. Um, And then, you know, just to follow through with the metaphor, when people come back and they are shopping through your ideas and they're looking at your ideas and they're buying your ideas over and over again. I mean, we believe that eventually they're going to notice that there's a, you know, there, there's a little doorway, you know, in the side of the store that connects to a product store, you know? And and some of those people are going to be like, Ooh, I want to put, put, put my head in and see what's in the, the connected shop next door. What's over there. I haven't noticed it before. Um, you know, and then those people we believe are going to be better customers, more valuable customers, um, you know because because they already understand why those products exist. they have all of that context, and they're and you're not asking them to to fill that in themselves when they first walk into that product store uh,
0: and, you, and you know when you when you're talking about content, um are you talking? It, it may it, like majority. It's written content that works like that, or does it work the same with video or, or for example, podcast? Do, does do when you've when you've done this sort of when you've experienced all of this, um, you know the million the million engaged people online. Is there a difference with the the different types of content? Which one performs better to others?
1: I I think. I, I think it's a, um, no, I, I, let me put it this way. I think, you know, some people are going to listen to this podcast here and they're going to listen to it because um, they're driving somewhere or they're taking their dog for a walk, you know? And, and when I'm taking my dog for a walk, I listen to podcasts and, um, and when I'm sitting at my desk, you know, I'm looking at my computer and I'm just scanning, you know, scanning the headline um, and, and I'm the same person. I have the same problems. You know, um, you know, it could even be the same day. So my the the needs that I'm experiencing most are largely the same. I'm in a different moment and different moments call for different form factors, different modes of engagement or, you know, whether I just want to listen to something or whether I want to read it. So I, I think we believe that the answer in most cases is sort of yes and, you know, it is, um, you know, with podcasts, just as an example, what we see it performs best is when you have a podcast, but then you actually include the transcript, you know, in the place where that podcast is, is posted. Um, you know, you're you're creating more avenues for someone to find the podcast because, you know, the copy, the words are gonna show up in search. And you're creating a different kind of experience that someone can have because someone can either, you know, read along with the podcast or with what they're hearing, which is a behavior that we see, or if they don't wanna listen, um, they can read, um, or they can listen and and i think and i think we believe you know going back to your point about ai eventually i think we'll get to a point where we can perfectly predict whether someone must have an audio experience or a reading experience but you know for the time being we can't do that yet and so we just want to make sure that we give people choices
0: no yeah that makes sense that makes sense i suppose another important part of the um i suppose of anything is paying attention to the metrics as well, understanding which ones are performing the best, but there are so many metrics out there, which ones actually are the ones that benefit us in understanding mm. the one that's the, the content that's working the most efficient
1: effectively. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one that we see people having what we believe is a mistaken in point of view on all the time. And to go back to that question we were having about maturity, you know, the next level up in terms of maturity, once you're making stuff, you know, with purpose would be, are you able to properly evaluate, you know, what's happening, you know, what's working and what's not working. And, and, and so for us, you know, I I don't want to turn this into the analytics, you know, nerd show here, but the, you know, but, um, You know, if we think about um, the value proposition that we're trying to make with this idea store, I was talking about before, the fundamental trade that we're trying to make is we are going to share an idea with you, and we want you to find that idea valuable. We're not asking you to buy something. Success is not uh, based on did you click the buy now button. And in many cases, for many companies, you know, the product or the service they sell is not one that you're going to buy. You know, if I am researching a neighborhood uh, that I might want to live in, you know, it's I'm not going to click the buy now button, you know, to to buy a house. You know, yeah. um, I'm going to go I'm going to go to that neighborhood. I'm going to look at that house. You know, and so forth, right? Um, or, you know, if I sell a million dollars of software packages, you know, no one's going to read a blog post about how work is changing and then click the link to buy a million dollars worth software. It's just not something that we can expect people to do. Um, um, so, so we have to look at something else. Um, and what we tend to look at is did you spend time with it? You know, for us, did you spend time with this idea that we had is the truest and most direct measure of did you find it valuable? Um, you know, beyond that, there's some qualitative things. You can always ask, hey, was this valuable thumb up or thumb down? Uh, which we like to do, um, and then there's other actions that can be proxies for it as well. Did you share it or not share it? But you know, most people, even if they really like something, aren't going to share it. You know, um, similarly, did you sign up to for email so that we can send you more content? That's something that we love giving people the opportunity to do, and we love it even more when they do it. But it's not, you know, it, it's not the it's not the truest answer of did you find they did you did you get value out of it? So so we look at time um, we look at whether people come back. Um, we look at these things in, in connection with one another, you know, did people who, you know, spent time with any particular article or any particular idea, you know, an article is probably a manifestation of an idea. Were they more likely to come back than other people? Um, did people who came through one channel in particular, were they more likely to come back than other people? You know, do people who come from search come back? you know, oftentimes an action that we see is that people who are coming from search are just trying to answer a question that they have. And in the most common behavior is, you know, you type something into Google, you find an answer, you seek out the answer, and then you go back to Google and you look at somebody else's answer and you compare and contrast them. Um, So do those people come back is another question. Um, And then you know, and then and then we would, whenever possible, we try to reverse engineer patterns of behavior that lead to the outcomes that, that that our clients want. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a real estate agent, you know, it's nice to provide someone valuable information about a neighborhood, but what really is helpful if we sell them a house, right? <laughs> and so 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 can we build some sort of connective tissue so that we understand um, you know, what is the behavior with regards to content of people who go on to buy houses and how does that differ from people who don't go on to buy houses um and you know and i I think what we tend to see is that um you know people do have to engage with their content multiple times before they're you know before they're going to go on and become a qualified lead or before they're going to go on and buy something uh so that then sort of for us is a signal that okay great the thing that we need to do is make sure that we're creating opportunities for people to come back you know and that type of thing whether that's through retargeting whether that's through getting you to sign up for an email um, you know that's that's sort of where you get into the experimentation and um, you know and in another phase of maturity but but the most 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 important thing you know, as the foundation for that third level of maturity is are you instrumented to be able to see this behavior? You know, because I think most people, if you're just using Google Analytics out of the box, you know, you don't actually know how to see the things that i was talking about. You know, you might see here's our page views and here's our bounce rate and here's our, you know, whatever it is. But the reality is like bounce rate in particular when it comes to content is a really misleading stat because again, think of that person's coming from Google. You know, if they if they come to your site, and they come from Google, and they find the answer to their question, and they stay ten minutes on it, and then they're and they're fully satisfied. They got amazing value out of it. They're still going to go back to Google, and that's a bounce. And so, if you're just looking at a scorecard based on bounce rate, you know that's a you're scoring that one in your loss column. But if you're thinking about it in terms of that question, did we create value for somebody? You it, it really won.
0: Yeah, it's funny, it's funny because it's you're right. I think it's sometimes, you, especially people who are sort of doing it all on their own. And they, they don't have, they just do the mechanics of it because they've read it in a book and that's what you do. Um, And I was the same with the podcast. When I first launched it, everything I was looking at was at the website, but I was looking going, God, Jesus, there's no listeners to this damn thing. And I'm on like episode 35 and there's still no one listening to it. And it wasn't until I started to, I think I moved to a different host provider and they provided me with all of these stats that was like 17 different countries and 500 people to listen to this article, this episode and stuff. And I all, all of a sudden went, ah, right, okay. And, and you're right, is it, you start to get, you get a little, well, I certainly do. I get a little bit geeky on the figures, just trying to go, okay, what? Because as you say, is that the bounce is always the first one that I was taught. Like, look at how quickly people are on and then off. But as you say, if you've got it on different places, you're not actually really benefiting from the data because it's 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 like a misnomer, really.
1: Yeah, and and what's interesting is that, it, you know, a lot of analytics as we're all taught about it are, really come from the world of e-commerce. And if you think about e-commerce, if you have somebody who comes to a product page and they don't hit buy now or they don't go to the shopping cart or if you have someone add their shopping cart and then they don't hit checkout and they bounce from that way that's 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 really meaningful that's impactful you know because everything the the value that you're trying to provide is in that transaction um but in the world of content the world of your podcast in the world of content that we're creating for our clients that's not what we're trying to do, you know, we're, we're trying to do something quite different. You're trying to get someone to to listen to your podcast and have a great experience doing it. And, you know, and if they come to your site, listen to your podcast and don't take another action, that's still a win, but that's also a bounce. So, so we have to train ourselves to look at different stats, but even more so, we actually have to, if we're going to instrument things properly, we actually have to go into analytics and 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 do some you know, lightweight customization, let's say, in order to surface the information that's actually going to be valuable for us so that we can make informed decisions because it's not happening out of the box.
0: No, and I think that that sometimes people can be very guilty of if you build it, they will come sort of process, and it depends how you've built it, really. I suppose it depends on the – like you're talking about that enriching content, not just by now, because that doesn't – you know, how are they going to find you, where where are you educating them, where are you sort of going through the stories of – How people have learned from that or whatever, they're they're not finding the destination that you're wanting because you haven't put it there.
1: Yeah, and I would say for us, um, thank you for the for the setup. I mean, that's what we would consider that fourth level of maturity, which is: are you taking action based on the behavior that you're seeing, and are you changing things in order to test? you know, different kinds of outcomes and, and and that experimentation and action will come from a lot of different places. In some cases it's promotion. You know, if you know if social, if all of your good quality traffic is coming from social, let's say, um, you know, what does that mean? You know, do you need a different kind of content that's going to perform better on other channels? Do you need to do more to you know customize what you're making for social? Do you need to have CTAs on your site that are more purposeful for you know people who are coming from social you know um or, or you know um or or if you know, if, if no one is, you know, having a, if people like, you know, we'll see this all the time where sometimes it's a UX question, you know, you, you have a lot of people who are coming to your site. You know, this is something that we see through search a lot where you have an article that ranks highly for search terms, but the traffic isn't doing anything. You know um, you we've had clients where, you know, we see a hundred thousand people a month are coming to their content from search, but nothing else happens. So why is that? Is it because, you know, we've seen a range of actions. We've seen it because the UX is wrong, um, where, you know, you have a lot of people who are leaving before they really even read the article uh, because the, the design is is bad and creating a bad experience for them. Uh, we've seen it too, where, you know, you have someone coming from search and the CTA is that buy now CTA, we just know nobody's going to do it, <laughs> you know? So can we change the CTA to say, here's another piece of content that might be relevant to you. And and then when we make that change, we might see that, you know, more people stick around and spend more time with you, you know, or is it that it's, um, is it an intent issue? We, we've seen it before where there's a client that, you know, ranked, you know, really high for um, uh, the search term, um, like causation versus correlation. Um, now they were selling data analytics software, but all the traffic was coming from uh, psych majors in college, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, and, you know, and so you have a intent misalignment, um, you know, until so you may be ranking really high for a popular search term, but but you're not you know but but you're not ranking with the audience that you're trying to reach as an example. So 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 once you have, you know once you're able to get insight from data, you know that in and of itself, you know is just a means to an end. And the end, that it's a means to is being able to it, it allowing you to test lots of different stuff. You can test different content formats: a podcast versus an article. You can test different layouts, you can test different CTAs, you can test different ways of promoting your content through a paid campaign on Facebook and how does that compare to a paid campaign on LinkedIn, you know, um, and, and, and really begin to, you know, you know, some experiments will succeed and some will fail. And you do more of the things that are successful, and you stop doing the things that fail, and you try some new things as well, and on and on and on and on. And eventually, incrementally, you're improving the entire time.
0: No, that's cool. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to jump over to the second part of the show, where I ask you a set of questions that I ask every guest who comes on. So, sir, are you ready? Yes, I am. As I mentioned, this episode is sponsored by SalesFlare. So, do you have more work with your CRM than you can keep up with? While other CRM software expects you to fill it out manually, SalesFlare automates all of the data input for you. All you need to do is just head to salesflare.com, and using the code SUCCESSIQ, you can get 20% off for the next three months. Join me and many other users around the world in using this automated and super easy to use CRM for small businesses selling B2B. Now, on with the show. Okay, question number one. On average, how much time, roughly, do you dedicate to self-development a week? That could be body, mind, and spirit. Oh,
1: nowhere near enough. Um, (laughs) Body gets precious few hours a week, I would say <laughs> mind, maybe a little bit more, um, in spirit. I, you know, I have three kids. And so I, I, I would say that all the time that I get to spend with them, uh, really does improve my
0: spirit. Cool. Cool. And number two, what book and it can be any book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why?
1: Uh, I'm an avid reader of biographies, and um, you know I'm the person who you would see who has those ponderously long, you know, um, biographies of, of of various people on his bedside table, and um, and, and so you know I read those. Um, I I try to devour them, frankly, you know, just with the mind of trying to understand how other people handled other situations uh, and trying to extract lessons from that. There's not one in particular, but, you know, I have over the course of a decade now read, you know, dozens or more of these um, and trying to extract little lessons from them. The other one that I would say sort of more professionally is the book uh, Thinking Fast, Thinking and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, who's a um, behavioral economist, um, you know, ha- is really a book that has uh, informed the way I think about the work that we're doing in the sense that, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, people make decisions and they make big decisions and make small decisions. Um, but, you know, in the world of content, you know, the do I want to stay on this web page is a decision? Do I want to scroll as a decision? Do I want to read another word or listen to another minute as a decision? And in that book helped me think through all the various layers of decision making that the people that we're trying to reach are going to do. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'm reading I've uh, uh, my
0: favorite um I don't even know whether it's classed as an autobiography, but South by sh- about Shackleton. And his, um, when he got stuck, I love that one. That's one of my favorite.
1: I read, I read a book. Um, I mean, I was like, I was probably 20. And, and I just picked up this book from the 1950s about Shackleton. And I picked it up one night at like nine o'clock at night. And probably at six in the morning, I put it down, you know, complete. It's just such an epic story. It's amazing. It is, yeah. And, he, and the fact that he never That's lost insane, anyone. It's isn't it? And he, yeah.
0: It, yeah, for what they had to go through, it was it was absolutely mind-boggling. And the one I've just ordered is about Stanley um, Livingston Livingston, I presume. So um, I'm looking forward to reading that one and see what that is about. But I think I think you're right. I think it's my granddad always said that read the books of others other greats that have gone before you because you never know what gems of information you're going to pull pull from that because they lived in a, most of them lived in a different time. Um, you know, or the uh, Richard, Richard Branson's book I like as well. But it's, um, it's always quite interesting how you, how you do, how you read them and listen to them and the interpretations of the order uh, of the people that may have written it if it's not been the actual person. So it's sometimes it's really quite cool. Um, Number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? That's a good question. I love getting guests to sweat. It's like holy crap, man! Just let me pick one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I don't yeah, know if email or Slack an app, an app from professionally. I mean, I think that you know, uh, you know, no, um, you know, I think that we communicate a lot using app tools. In terms of my personal life, um, you know, I, I, I am, I, I, I believe it or not have tried to really cut down drastically the amount of social media I consume. Um, but I do consume news and being in the line of work that I'm in, um, looking not just at news but the way it is presented in terms of the sort of the ux, the you know the um, where are their subheads, how heavy is the images? what is the text density, that kind of stuff. Um, those are all things that I like to pay attention to and that that give me pleasure and that make a sort of both that personal and professional impact.
0: Cool. Cool. Okay, number four. What's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you?
1: Where to start. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Could do a yeah, show no just kidding. On these. <laughs> um, I mean I feel like i make a new mistake every single day. Um I, no, I, I I would say it, it 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 I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show how I made this this transition from journalism to marketing, and you know one of the things in journalism is your loyalty is to the story and it really isn't to much more than that and and I would talk to people for the stories that I was creating, I always wanted them to like the work and I always wanted them to like me. But it didn't really matter if they liked the work or if they liked me. And there were some cases where, in order to do the best story, I was going to make an enemy and I was going to make somebody upset. Uh, and that was just the way it is. Your loyalty is to the story, and that's what you create. and And I learned quickly as I made a transition to marketing that that's not really what's most important in this world. You know, um, there's a service element that doesn't exist uh, when you're creating an article for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and in that success. Is not merely, um, you know, is the work good, um, but you know, did did the did the client like the work? Did the client like working with you, and did you like working with the client? Because I don't think that you're going to have a successful long-term relationship unless you can check every single one of those boxes. Um, I had learned that the hard way, though, because I was initially too focused on that first one is the work good and I would butt heads with you know anybody who would get in my way regardless of whether they were the reps writing the check or not
0: it's interesting, it's, it's interesting that, that getting on with the client and you're so right because you, you, your gut tells you straight away if it doesn't feel right and quite especially at the beginning an awful lot of people fight that but then generally it'll come true and they'll be like damn I wish I'd just listened <laughs> <That's>, <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and and I, and I, and I also feel like, you know, I've come to appreciate that the best work comes from an environment where there's really good collaboration, you know, and, um, and the best work has to be, you know, not just something that looks cool when you put it online, but that really achieves its goal. You know, that, that really, you know, you know, is, 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 it meets all of those factors.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Question number five, what
0: are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them?
1: Um, Acceptance that I have challenges, harmonizing work and life is sort of how I manage them. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, you know, (laughs) it's hard, you know, I, uh, you know, I, um, Uh, you know, I think I have just sort of created a life for myself where I'm just being truthful here, where I focus on my family and I focus on uh, my work and, you know, and those are my two priorities. And and I wish I did each of them better than I do, um, but I am fully committed to each of them. And, you know, and it it comes at the expense of everything else, you know, those other things that you asked in question one, um, you know, mind, body and spirit. You know, um, I would love to be at the gym three hours a day, but, you know, um, I, I find it more satisfying if I spend an extra hour and a half working an extra hour and a half with my kids. I think you're lying. I don't think you want to be at the gym for three hours a day. <laughs> All right. But, but, but half an hour, maybe.
0: <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> and question number six. Um, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out?
1: The, so, you know, again, at the risk of psychoanalyzing myself, um, you know, the the fear of failure has always been something that has motivated me and entrepreneurial, you know, being an entrepreneur is a risky endeavor. And, and I think the thing that allowed me to start a company that is the risk and is the lesson that I would pass on to somebody else who's thinking about it is to, uh, to properly see size up the risk of failure, um, which is, and I have the privilege of living in the San Francisco Bay area where, you know, you go to the coffee shop and you meet, you know, 10 people who have, you know, started a failed startup. Um, but, but there's this, um, you know, even if you try like, like failure isn't failure you know, failure with purpose is success. And that goes back to those things I was talking about with regards to the experiments that we run for our clients. It's a different scale, obviously, than starting a company. But, you know, if you if you are set up to learn from a failure and if you're set up to learn from a mistake, that's more, that's, that's, that's valuable and, that's, frankly, it's more valuable never have, than never having failed in the first place.
0: I think mean, it's that's the thing is if they if if people actually stopped and thought about what they've learned from not failing, it would be very little. <laughs> it, you know, you, yes, you know, that's a great way it, of you, it. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't be walking Wait, for a start if if the, if you know and it's it's you know as we get older we lose that almost childlike approach to things where it's like oh, bollocks have fallen over let's just get back up and and keep on going we 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 wear those i'm scars gonna, down. I'm, gonna, I'm
1: gonna steal that by the way <laughs> yeah what if what if what have you what have you learned from not failing is going to go straight into my right into my my my, my lexicon i will uh, no try no to properly attribute it to Jeff you <laughs> 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 number seven is what is your definition of success I'll go back to the thing I said before. Um, it's is the work good? Does the client like the work? Did the client like working with you? And did you like working with a client?
0: And number eight, do you have any daily routines or rituals that have a huge positive impact to your day?
1: Uh well, to to betray the answer that i uh gave earlier um yeah i, I try you go to go to the gym three. yeah hours. i go to the gym for three hours <laughs> right now um, but i do have a little bit of an exercise routine that i do every single morning i have my first cup of coffee and sort of check email and check my calendar and to, you know triage some of the work for the day ahead and then i go outside and i do have a little routine that i do um with, with some exercise and a second cup of coffee and you know that's always a nice way to start my day
0: and and do you do you see the sea where you are um, where you're living, or is it just uh, a mist that always seems to be portrayed?
1: No, um, I, I, um, I we live sort of, I would say, a, a few ridges away from from the ocean. So it's so it's never it, it's never it, 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 there's a nice sense that we're there, but I don't get to you know sit outside and look at the ocean in grand fashion or anything like that you can just
0: see one of the warning lights on the top of the golden gate bridge and that's it. Right. you know it's over there <laughs> brilliant and um, ben we're at the end of the show um an opportunity for you just to share how we can find out more about you where is the best place for people to go to connect if they want to know more uh, about you and about message lab
1: and um, please take it away yeah, thank you. So, if you want to learn more about Message Lab, uh, you can type Message Lab into Google or you can just go to messagelab.com. And if you want to learn more about me or connect with me, um, type my name, Ben Worthen, into LinkedIn and I should be the first person who shows up.
0: Fantastic. Ben, thank you so much um, from taking time out of the gym and joining <laughs> us. Um, today. Yeah, well, I've, I've got, been I've been got
1: in... two more hours of working out to do after this point. So I, well, you've I appreciate been talking it,
0: Jeff. to you while you've been on the peloton. <laughs> Um, but thank you so much and uh, I've I've really, really enjoyed it I've got loads from it myself I'm sure uh, the listeners have as well so just wishing
1: you the greatest success Great, thank you so much I appreciate you having me
0: So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show that's really nice really does help me make the show even better If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page, just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.